It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Doing It At Home podcast. Thanks so much for being here and hanging out with us and spending your precious time listening to us. Want to give a special thank you to everyone who participated in our survey that we ran a few weeks ago. Thank you so much. We are so excited to chew on all of that stuff and just dive into all of your feedback uh, and suggestions for the show. So thank you. And we have our winner for our Amazon $50 gift card, and that goes to Lizzie. So thank you, Lizzie. Congrats. And if you missed the survey altogether, don't worry. We're going to do more cool things like that in the future, whether it be surveys or giveaways, fun ways to get involved and win some cool stuff, and also share your feedback with us because it's so important and we value what you think and what you would like to see and hear so much you, you can't even imagine. So we want to hear from you. And if you did, like I said, miss the survey and you still want to share some feedback with us, you can drop us an email at uh, hello at diahpodcast.com. You could message us on Instagram at diahpodcast and just connect with us there. And if you haven't subscribed to the show already, go ahead and do that in iTunes so that you don't miss a single episode and drop a review too, because we've been known to read those on the show from time to time. So back to that feedback with the surveys, a lot of things we heard were around postpartum. So people want to hear more postpartum conversations and resources and things like that. Well, this is a great episode for that. We are chatting with Esther Gallagher of the fourth trimester podcast, and she is one of two hosts. Sarah Trott is the other, and we chat with Esther particularly around her professional work as a doula for over 25 years in the San Francisco Bay area. We talk about what the fourth trimester is, why it's important to have resources and to feel confident moving into parenthood and into into that time and things that you can do in postpartum to make sure that you are taken care of and that you are at the forefront and that postpartum is very mom-centered. 
And also just how the fourth trimester varies across different cultures and things that we can do in our culture to create more real, supportive, loving, raw conversations around postpartum. So we're so grateful to Esther and Sarah for what they do in the fourth trimester podcast, which you should go check out. And we have links to on our website, diahpodcast.com. So just thank you to her for this powerful conversation. And I really hope you enjoy it. Today's episode is brought to you by Bump Boxes. Bump Boxes is a monthly pregnancy subscription service tailored to mom's due date. So that means monthly deliveries of healthy pregnancy, mom, and baby products for every stage of your pregnancy up to your little one's first birthday. Each box contains full-size, safe, and healthy, trusted products and brands. They've treated hundreds of thousands of mamas everywhere to a fun, pampering experience. So treat yourself or a mama friend to a gift they'll really love and make their life easier. And now you can receive 35% off your first box in a subscription with the code D-I-A-H to let them know we sent you. And because we like to try out anything we promote on the show, we got our own bump box, even though we are bumpless at the moment. And this stuff is awesome, you guys. Such a cool concept and company. And I wish we used something like this while we were pregnant. So go to bumpboxes.com and use the code D-I-A-H for your order today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Esther. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you? Well, I'm just great. How are you, Sarah? This is so exciting to be interviewed uh, by somebody yes. <laughs> with a podcast. Yeah, it's very cool. I love connecting with fellow podcasters because it's such a cool space to be in right now. And of course, our topics and our missions have a lot of great alignment. And so I know we're going to have some some great conversation and some fun, juicy things uh, come up. So that that's great. And I'm very grateful to you and to Sarah, your partner in crime, um, for being able to set this up <laughs> and we could have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah's fantastic. It's too bad she can't be here. Yeah. Well, why don't you kick us off then with sharing what you and Sarah do together and, you know, why we're here basically. (laughs) Sure. Um, Sarah and I are the co-hosts of the fourth trimester podcast that's on iTunes and Google play and some other platforms. And um, we started the podcast when Sarah was about uh, three months postpartum, she had gotten through her fourth trimester uh, 
and um, during her fourth trimester, in the early weeks when I was working with her, she said to me, we should do a podcast. And I said, I've always wanted to. Mm. So we just, we just got on the subject and I told her what, what I wanted to podcast about and um, how I wanted to do it. And she went about really um, learning the technical side of it. And of course, she's also a wonderful interviewer. And I've been kind of the, um, the uh, experienced uh professional <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, so that's what I bring to it. That's awesome. And, and so that been, profession yeah. is in birth work in particular, right? Birth and postpartum care right. um, in particular. I'm, I'm a, a continuity of care doula. Mm. Um, I like it when I can work with clients prenatally uh, then and during their birth and for the first few weeks postpartum before we sort of prep anybody who's going to then be caring for the mother uh, to do so carrying on. I like to really focus my postpartum work in those first days um, uh, when, when it's very fresh with the new baby and mom is healing and recovering. Um, and in the case of adoptive parents, perhaps, um, mm-hmm. you know, those first few days of, of receiving their new baby into their home and, and getting their sea legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say that the lion's share of my work is, o- is overwhelmingly with new moms, you okay. know, moms who've just given birth. Um, uh, and helping them to understand the physiology um, and the social emotional aspects of all of the changes that they are going through. Mm. You know, it isn't over when you have the baby. Exactly. In your just <laughs> really getting started. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, and you've been doing it for a little bit, just a few years, right? <laughs> <laughs> I moved to San Francisco in August of 1992 specifically to start work as a postpartum care provider with a little company that existed at the time called The Fourth Trimester. Oh, wow. And yes, I had just graduated college with two two BAs and... uh, wanted to, I was a single mom. I, I would have loved to go to grad school, but frankly, at that point, I really knew what I wanted to do and didn't need a PhD, I didn't think, in order to do this work. Um, I had two BAs in anthropology and philosophy <laughs> and thought, you know, mothers are out there and they need care. I needed care that I didn't receive. So many of my cohort needed care that they didn't receive. Our mothers had not received care and in many cases, therefore, did not breastfeed. So I was on a mission. Hmm. <laughs> and, and serendipitously, I found out about this little company and was thinking to move to the city uh, anyway, so it really it was it was just 
it really was serendipity. It really mm. just all fell into alignment. And so that's how I started my work doing postpartum care per se. Prior to that, um, prior to returning to college, um, I had, I studied midwifery, home birth midwifery, um, uh, through an apprenticeship model mm. and had had done home birth. My children were both born at home. So I had that familiarity with kind of a continuity of care model and the midwifery model, which was lovely. And even though I had wonderful postpartum, essentially clinical visits with my midwives after giving birth, and, you know, they and, the, and then I, as a midwife, would tell our, you know, new parents, like, well, you need to rest, you need to eat nourishing food, you need, you know, all the things you need. We weren't actually doing any of the work of making sure those things were happening. Mm. You know, if, if new moms are going to eat nutritious foods, then somebody needs to be preparing and presenting those nutritious foods. Sure. Otherwise, she's not doing the other part of what we're prescribing, which is to sleep. Mm. Right? Because mm. most new parents aren't going to cook while breastfeeding. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should they. Right. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> So I always despaired for, for the new mom. So I was saying, yeah, you really need to rest. You really mm-hmm. need to sleep. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there was little or no support for them in that healing and recovery period. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's what inspired me to do the work I now have done mm-hmm. for many, many years. Well, that's amazing. Um, so the, the fourth trimester itself what is it? You know, if you were to give just a simple kind of definition or explanation to someone who has no idea what the fourth trimester is, what's your, what's your lead with that? My lead with that is to, to, is to remind people, some of whom have to have no connection except their own right. <laughs> having been gestated and born. Right. Um, remind people that, you know, we break pregnancy into trimesters, the first mm-hmm. three months, the middle three months, the last three months, then birth. And that's kind of when it ends, right? Like everybody sort of thinks, okay, baby born, mission accomplished. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone but packs really, up and leaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or packs you up and sends you home, mm, right? Yep, yep. If, you, if you've had a baby in the ball hospital. Mm-hmm with no support after that. Um, and, um, you know, those three months increments make a lot of sense developmentally, um, as does the fourth trimester. The three months following birth are just loaded with healing, recovery, mm-hmm. establishing the breastfeeding relationship, rejiggering you know, family relationships. So that's what I talk about when I talk about the social emotional adjustments. Mm. Um, every, everything changes and goes through, a, you know, normal developmental shifts. 
And then, of course, the developmental shifts that are going to be particular to you and who you are and who your your family is. So, um, and and uh, other relationships, not just necessarily your biological family. So, uh, you know, and and babies go through so many rapid uh, growth and development changes there too. So, their first three months are loaded with you know, what, what anthropologists call extra uterine gestation, hmm. right? Our, ba- our babies, albeit mammals, are born about three months before, developmentally speaking, we, we would, if we were like other primates, we would give birth to our babies. So, that means in terms of how developed our babies are and how ready for the outside world and to cope with it we are, um, our babies are born quite early in that process. They have a lot of what would have um, happened inside the womb. They have a lot of that development to do outside of the womb. So breastfeeding human babies um, is is a bit of a different proposition from the kinds of breastfeeding that other mammals do. <clears throat> does that make sense? It does. Can you expand a little bit? Like how yeah. so? Well, our babies would, our, our, another way to put it is that our babies are still fetuses when mm. they're born. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They really, yeah. they really could do with just staying in there, hooked up to the placenta for, a bit longer. And mm. so um, we, when, when our babies are born, we really, they need us to hold them close by, literally on our bodies, um, breastfeed them very frequently for long periods mm. over the course of 24 hours. Um, there's kind of a, 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 an elliptical rhythm to that breastfeeding that babies do. Um, in other words, uh, most scheduling of feeding isn't appropriate to a particular infant, you know, um, but of course in our culture, (laughs) we tell moms every two hours, every Mm. three hours, you know, whatever we tell them as though that's going to be, um, uh, perfectly okay for their babies. Um, and it's not. So, um, you know, that's that's mostly the kernel of what I mean when I say gotcha. uh, extra uterine gestation. Yeah, you know they're going to be going through growth spurts, you know, every couple of weeks, um, which means their whole lives are changing. Yeah, drastically. <laughs> every couple of weeks. Yeah, drastically. Mm. Yes, and that process gradually slows down and spreads out. Mm. Um, and, you know, a three-month-old, as those of us who have children know, is, you know, a little person who sits on your lap and interacts with other people, mm-hmm. and, you know, does stuff. Um, <clears throat> and that's a very different human right. than is a newborn or a two-week-old or a six-week-old, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it's a very intensive um, period for the mother because 
it's a very intensive period for the baby. Mm. Yeah. And that means that moms, you know, only very gradually get to a place where they can do um, their own self-care. And yet in our culture, we expect moms to do that by their second week postpartum in mm. most cases, right? Partners are going back. If they had any time off work, they're going back to work at this two-week mark, which is at a major growth and development spurt for the baby and a major um, time for the mother to be, you know, babies going through growth spurts often will breastfeed 24-7 yeah. for a couple of days, right? Um so, so yeah, that's kind of what I talk about when I talk about. <laughs> that's fascinating. Early, early days and weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have yeah. a quick question. I'm sure this could be a much longer, larger conversation, but I'm just curious, <laughs> you know, I am not a student of anthropology or as far as how our, our bodies have evolved over the, the centuries, but it, it kind of begs the question then, why are babies born developmentally not ready, so to speak. I'm, I'm guessing that has to do with how our bodies have physically changed and maybe the pelvic area, because <laughs> if babies were to be in there three more months, we, we wouldn't, they wouldn't they would be come too big. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Precisely. Okay. Imagine you're three months old. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Still I cannot. You. <laughs> she was already yeah. eight pounds at birth. I can't imagine three more months what she would have how she would have baked more. (laughs) Okay, cool. Precisely right. So then it sounds like there are a lot of elements that make up the fourth trimester because you just explained developmentally for baby, there's a lot going on. Obviously, there's a lot going on for mom in terms of physical changes, emotional mental, spiritual, all of that. And then there's the partnership mm-hmm. and the dynamic of dad or partner, um, other parent, uh, who's getting used to this new normal as well. So when you approach, mm-hmm. you know, fourth trimester as a topic, and I'm, you know, I know you and Sarah are doing this on the show. There's so many things you can address. It sounds like. Yeah. Yes, they are. And as a postpartum care provider, as a postpartum doula, I'm addressing those in situ, right? Every day I'm visiting the family for a few hours. I'm attending to their physical needs for healing and recovery, um, <clears throat> preparing nutritious food, preparing sit baths in the first week while mother's, um, you know, pelvic floor is, is healing and recovering. Um, But then also with doing breastfeeding support and answering the parents' questions and concerns, I'm also observing, right? With Mm. all of this, I'm observing. And, you know, it can be something, it can be like, how much is mom bleeding to... Mm. How is breastfeeding going? Is she having pain? Is it the kind of pain that we can expect will improve, you know, with with time, you know, relatively short time? Or is it something that might indicate the need 
for a lactation consultant's review and, and consultation. So, um, but then that emotional social uh, aspect in the case where my clients are people whose um, birth I've attended and who I've gotten to know prenatally, it means that I can help them relate what they're going through physically and emotionally mm. back to the birth and forward to, in, you know, in time to as things heal and recover. Here and now. I'm doing that this in the here and now, mm. right? We're, we're dwelling with what is, right, whether it's my partner doesn't understand this thing and I don't know how to tell them what I'm going through and I can be the person to try to help translate for, as an example, right? That's one example. Like, you know, okay, let's sit together. Here's the reason why mom's on a, you know, kind of a, 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 a short um, fuse with her needs because she can't attend to them herself right now. She really needs these things to be provided and she needs you not to wait until she's asked for them because if she's asking for them, she needed them 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and, and and now it's going to take you an hour to get your act together to get that thing that she asked for, mm. right? Like if it's, I'm hungry, which is, a key ingredient yeah. to healing and recovery. If she, if there isn't food by the bedside and a way to access it, right, properly prepared so that she can actually eat it while in bed breastfeeding, mm. then, um, you know, she's going to be experiencing a lot of difficulty. So I'm teaching, right? I'm modeling the behavior. I'm teaching the behavior. I'm getting feedback in these discussions to see where things are working and where they might not be working. Um, <clears throat> I'm attempting to address partners, you know, um, concerns and questions, um, helping them link up with each other so that um, they're in sync with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, as an example of that, I think one of the the first uh, elements that tends to create um, uh, distress between couples, which is the typical <laughs> formation in America, right? They're two adults, mm-hmm. semi-adults, uh, is that, you know, partners get are getting a free path to sleep all night. <laughs> Um, you know, inadvertently, cause I wouldn't have told them they can do that, <laughs> but somehow mom or somebody else says, Oh, you should get a good night's sleep so that you'll be, you know, really helpful during the day. Well, the fact is that they should both be sleeping when the baby sleeps so that they're on a wavelength mm. and they're helping each other with that project. So that partner is the one getting up and doing the diaper changes and burps and soothing the baby a little bit while mom gets a chance to go to the bathroom, change her pad, you know, maybe swab her face and brush her teeth um, and come back and then, you know, breastfeed again uh, while partner goes and gets another snack plate to, you know, to get them through the night. So in other words, 
it's always my distinct preference that that nobody's too energetic. <laughs> Be, because what happens next after, you know, partner has gotten a good night's sleep is they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and don't have any clue why mom mm. is feeling exhausted yeah. and pain and... Right, they're just disconnected from the reality. Yeah, that empathy and emotional reality mm-hmm. of taking care of a newborn. Mind you, this is a mom who is healing and recovering. Her body has been, in most cases, wounded during the process yeah. of giving birth. Okay, that's a real thing, and that needs recovery time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And in America, where, you know, 30 plus or minus percent of births are cesarean sections, mm-hmm. you know, let's not forget that's major surgery. Right. Um, you know. <clears throat> wow. So does that kind of give you a <laughs> picture? There's so much to that. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing picture. So mm-hmm. many things come up for me when you shared all of that. I mean, first and foremost, I just <laughs> think, wow, that's so powerful. And by that, I mean what you do in your role and what doulas and postpartum care specialists and the tribes and the women, you know, around you and men, uh, who are supporting Mm -hmm. particularly mothers in that stage to heal, to recover, to integrate, uh, all of that. I just, I, to me, it's just, wow, that's so powerful. And then of course that's followed by every woman needs that. And then that's followed by how can we make sure every woman gets that, you know, to, to at least mm-hmm. some extent and degree, um, because there's unfortunately a lot of lack of information and knowledge of options. And then even beyond that access, you know, access to that type of mm-hmm. care and, you know, the um, supply of women who are doulas mm-hmm. and, and care specialists who are trained in the ways that you are, you know, in parts of the country and parts of the world. So mm-hmm. all of that is yeah. what comes up for me. And the part that you said about the the recovery and the physical healing that a mother is doing. I was just talking to a mama friend the other day who said, um, you know, she was having pelvic floor issues after, mm-hmm. you know, after mm-hmm. baby and, uh, her, her doctor didn't really have anything for her as far as a resource or a place to direct her. And then she finally went to another physical therapist friend who referred her to a specialist. But I think there's this assumption that, um, 
your OBGYN or your doctor postpartum is going to be the source of all knowledge for you in terms of breastfeeding, in terms of how your body can recover. But they're actually not trained in those. They're not trained in breastfeeding. They're not trained in, you know, how to help a woman recover postpartum necessarily. Um, and so just, just having platforms like what you and Sarah are doing is such an amazing beacon of, you know, of light and information and empowerment for women to have some level of access to it. Maybe it's just listening to podcasts and reading books and blog articles. Maybe it's mm-hmm. the ability to have a person live, you know, like you in their home, you know, days um, at mm-hmm. a time. But I, I, to me, it just... Or inform and educate yeah. those people in their lives who've said, hey, we'd love to help you. Mm. When the baby comes, well, there's good health and there's bad health. Sure. Can I just say it that way? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's health that's not at all helpful. Right. And you really don't need that. You really don't need that kind of help. I promise you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, good postpartum care is not impossible to learn quickly. Um, uh, there's, you know, there's some real do's and don'ts. Um, and, you know, I think, um, oftentimes in America, postpartum, the word doula, when it comes to postpartum, unfortunately, I find that what the person who is calling themselves a postpartum doula imagines is postpartum care is actually baby care. Uh, They're not well-informed necessarily about what it is that mom is going through, what the physiology of it is, and why certain kinds of care are helpful and certain kinds of care are not. And so, you know, inadvertently, very well-intentioned, but inadvertently, they're undermining breastfeeding, they're undermining mom's healing and recovery. And so I think that, you know, that it's, if you're looking for a doula, it behooves you to really find out, like, what is your, how does your practice look? How are mm. you going to help me? I'm the mom. I'm the person who's, who is postpartum. Right. You know, who's, who's, who's the focus of all this. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, too often in America, we have been led to believe that if somebody just takes the baby off our hands, that will be helpful. Oh, yes. And there's so much to that that's damaging. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I, I think, you know, well-intentioned care in America is often baby-focused. Here, let me just do the baby, right? And, and that's nice. And, you know, grandma gets to enjoy having the baby in her arms, but she isn't necessarily actually helping this family. Oh yeah. Right? I, I agree 100%. A little, a little, a little <laughs> bit of that. Yeah. A little bit of that goes a very long way. Mm. What really needs to be happening is for mom to be well nourished, which means a lot, you know, she's feeding that baby 12 times a day, plus or minus. Mm-hmm. She needs 12 meals. 12, 12 little mini meals that hit all the notes of, nu- of good nutrition, protein, fats, yeah. <laughs> vegetables, some fruit. You know, like it's not hard. It's not rocket science, but she needs these things. 
And I think it needs to be appropriately prepared so that she can put it in her mouth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, While, while breastfeeding, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's, if it requires her putting her baby down to be nourished, it's not going to help her because then she has to do it when the baby's sleeping, when shaking asleep. Right, right. She's only going to be able to sleep when the baby sleeps. And those are short periods mm. of time, very often throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this is, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not impossible to understand <laughs> this stuff, but it's not the model that we present in America. Right. Right. And so I want to touch on that for a second in the America thing, but real quick, Mm -hmm. I just want to insert these conversations (laughs) are so important to have at at the earlier, the better. I feel like, you know what you're talking about? Cause these (laughs) conversations I feel like are, uh, it's more, um, the space is better to have them before rather than in the midst when you're also dealing with all the new changes. And what I mean by that is these conversations Mm -hmm. for those listening who are pregnant or, you know, soon to be pregnant, have these conversations with your partner, with your birth team, with your, you know, who you're planning to care for you and to come help, you know, have these conversations now on the upfront and understand the importance (laughs) of you being taken care of in all ways. Um, Because I even Mm -hmm. experienced some of what you said, you know, people come over and they just think holding the baby is the be all end all help to give you. And it's not, I need food. I need laundry done. I need the house clean. I'm going to be holding the baby no matter what, because I'm going to have to nurse her eventually. Go do other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I totally, totally let resonates. Me, let me sleep yes. while you do my laundry. Right, right. Right. Let me sleep while the laundry gets done and then I don't have to not sleep and do the laundry. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How nice would that be? And by the way, while you're throwing in a little laundry, you know, while you wait for it to get ready to go into the dryer, you could make Three snack trays. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So we in the fridge. Yes. We, uh, we, we've touched on, you know, in America, because that's obviously our, our paradigm and, and where we are currently. But what is some of your experience or some of what you've seen and you've come across either in conversations, experience, your own study and research and, and education that how, how fourth trimester might look different in other cultures and other countries. Um, you know, if you were to kind of do a comparison or things that you've noticed that are different mm-hmm. from how we um, typically do it here, what's what's some of the fourth trimester culture abroad? Well, I think that there is, you know, an ancient, ancient, ancient acknowledgement in the human species from our all the way back from our forebears in in. Africa and throughout Asia that became well documented, actually, part of the historical record um, in Asia in particular, it's well documented that there is a fourth trimester and that it does require special attention and methods for addressing um the healing and recovery period. Mm. So I, while I was getting that little baby anthropology degree, I used it to study um, birth and and postpartum in particular practices abroad. And and in the human relations area file, there's wonderful stuff um, out of 
China, because Chinese medicine has a whole, you know, whole section <laughs> mm. of, you know, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. That's, that's well documented. And so the expectation for new mothers is that they will rest, they will stay warm, they and the baby, naturally. Um, there's even something called mother roasting. Um, which is just a way of keeping mother particularly warm so she doesn't succumb to chills while Mm -hmm. her body is going through dramatic changes, Mm -hmm. physiological changes. We often say hormonal, Mm. but that's the tip of the iceberg, really. (laughs) That's all that is. Um, (laughs) It's a much more integrated process Mm. than just some hormones shifting that we can sort of dismiss as temporary. Mm -hmm. Um, And... um, you know, breastfeeding and, and getting fed special, nourishing, restorative foods. So as an example of that, I always love this little example. If you're a new mom um, and you live in Asia, <laughs> you would have someone in your family who would know to be make, preparing and bringing over a Blackbone chicken stew every day for the first 10 to 40 days. Wow. Okay. It's a special little chicken that everybody has in their backyard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if this were, you know, the olden days. <laughs> right. And um, <clears throat> that little chicken has been, you know, eating all the good stuff and she's got really rich a really rich little body loaded with protein and healthy fats. And, you know, her bones are really, really uh, loaded with good nutrition. And so this little chicken is um, stewed in a special broth with herbs and often some seaweed and, you know, and you may or may not like it, but this is your medicine. Mm. You know, your food is your medicine and every, all the elements that go into that stew are meant to help your uterus contract and your milk come in and your wounds heal and you to feel grounded and healthy, right? Mm. So, so somebody would be doing that for you every single day. And it would be your obligation, by the way. Mm, yeah. <laughs> this special stew. <laughs> and all the accoutrements that come with it, the cheese and the... The, the other food preparations that are so important. And there would be somebody who would be showing up to attend to more serious conditions should they arrive um, with, you know, a medicinal and um, lifestyle approach. Mm. So that's a description of a form of what I like to call medicine, which by that I mean not just a pill you take, but a way that people behave around you for your well-being. Mm. Okay, that's medicine, right? Something that's meant to help you heal and recover. Um, uh, and that's ancient. I'm sure all of these practices go right all the way back, you know, to early Homo sapiens. <clears throat> mm. And we, and we in, in the capitalist structure, for the most part, 
in places where we don't have public health, true public health, national health, we have divested of all of this. Mm-hmm. Because all we care about for humans is that they go back to work and and create profit from their labor. So, <laughs> so as you know, we have a system in America that says, you come to the hospital, you get two days, you go home, and we'll see you in six weeks if, if you know, if all otherwise goes well enough that we don't have to see you before then. Mm. And then, you know, at six weeks, you're ready to go. Right. Right? If your cervix is closed, we're done with you. Yeah. You're on your way. You can, you can go back to work. You can, you know, you can have sex. You can, you know, just mm. do whatever. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> No, no support or resource around what's really happening. Now, these things are gradually creeping back in, very gradually. Um, uh, and there is some amount of attention that is being given um, on the Western medicine end of things to the fact that, you know, we're pretty broken when it comes to um, supporting new parents. But... Uh, it has a very, very, very long way to go, and it really is, is structurally um, <clears throat> uh, designed uh, to be extremely ungainly to change, just mm. very mm. difficult to change. Um, so that's why, you know, the gradual resurgence of the work of doulas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that, I mean when you focus on mother and family, when businesses, when organizations are mother and family focused, I just feel like everything works. Matthew and I were just having this conversation the other day about the few, there's not too many. I mean, I'm sure many exist, but in our lives, you know, we've been exposed to a few since, since choosing home birth and going the midwifery model of care and then finding, you know, a great chiropractic office that's very family, you know, mother oriented and centered. Seeing these, these organizations that, that work with that as the, the mission in mind, they just work. (laughs) And there are, there's, there don't seem to be problems and they just seem to, they are efficient at the same time being completely awesome. I can't think of it. Like, it's just that, (laughs) that approach to things I feel like creates healing and, and growth at the same time. You know, we can be productive as a society. We can be, uh, abundant and generating while at the same time tending to the things that matter most and that are going to have the greatest impact on the well being of homes and the extension of those homes and, all of that. So I, I agree with you that there is this awareness peaking uh, and, and rising, albeit maybe slower than we would like to see. But I do think um, it's happening. I, I would like to hear from you what you would like to see. I'm sure there's a lot of things, but what are some of the things initially that you would like to see shift around fourth trimester and, and our, our current paradigm of it now in this country? What are some things that you'd like to see change and that you hope through the work you and Sarah are doing, you can change? Well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) big, big loaded question. I, I I will. Well, yeah, but I, I, you know, I, it's really clear to me. Like Mm. I, I 
feel that we live in a culture where women don't matter. Mm. I, I, you know, that's, it's a strong statement. Um, they may matter to their partners. They may matter to their own parents. But we don't know how to help mothers matter, help women matter. We're really broken and alienated from how to actually <clears throat> have women be front and center in in our um, respect for and support of and resourcing um, uh, oriented towards um, mothering and parenting. Mm-hmm. So I know it's it's super broad, <laughs> but that's the truth. Mm. And I that's what I that's what I think needs to change. And that's why I have a particular issue, as I stated earlier, with so-called postpartum care that's oriented towards the baby. Right. As if the mother has no needs, Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, Um, mothers do have needs for respect what they're going through and who they are and what they've done and where they're headed with it. They uh, need acknowledgement that um, that they with their partners and family are going through while an everyday, multiple times a day experience amongst people doing it that it's, you know, it's their first and maybe only time that they're going to go through this, or if they're seventh and maybe last time they're going to go through this, mm. and that it matters, and that it, in a relatively short span of time, profound things will be happening that need attention and respect and resource. That's what I want. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But evidently, it's a lot to ask. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. But uh, hey. It is a lot to ask. But, I mean, through what you're doing and through what you continue to do, uh, no matter it's, you know, perceived challenge at times or what it might be up against, uh, you're continuing to be that you know, what you just put out there that you want and that mission for, for you and the work that you're doing, you are a part of that. Um, and so I just wanted to you know acknowledge you for a moment in that and commend you for that. And I know that through the work that you're doing in your, your doula care and in your all encompassing, uh, you know, prenatal birth and beyond care, I know that it's making a huge impact. I know so many are grateful to have you in the space that you're in and doing what you're doing and uh, you and Sarah both through the show, through the fourth trimester podcast, mm-hmm. what you're doing is just such uh, a gem and such a thing that we need. So I, I appreciate you and what you're doing as a mom and as someone who's, I'm, I'm all, I'm already, you know, rethinking and reanalyzing and envisioning how my postpartum experience can and will be, you know, another time around when we choose to have another baby, mm-hmm. you know, I'm already taking notes on, you Lovely. know, this is, this is going to be this and I'm going to have this person. And so it's, it's wonderful. And, um, for those on that note, yes, on that note, Sarah, I just want to quickly, um, I know we have to wrap up, but I just want to quickly hearken back to something that we were discussing earlier about like 
you know, planning for this. And what I wanted to say was, you know, once you've determined that you would like to stay pregnant and you've reached the 12 week mark, so it's a pretty done deal that you probably will stay pregnant. That's when you can start planning for your postpartum. Mm. That's when you can put all that attention that usually goes onto the internet to buy stuff for your baby's room, right? Mm -hmm. You can put that attention and that savings account (laughs) towards how can we be well-nourished and well-supported in the three to six months between when our baby's born and when, you know, other things get to happen. That would be my, that would be my advice. Make your, make yourself central in this and make yourself matter because in the meantime, maybe nobody else will. (laughs) I love that. And it could, it could take six months of, of research and planning in order to have a well-resourced, um, fourth trimester. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, I, I love that. I just wrote that down. Make yourself central. Make yourself matter. Um, Esther, thank you so much. So, so, so much. Um, for those of you listening, go check out the Fourth Trimester podcast. Um, as Esther said, you can find it in iTunes and Google Play and other platforms. And you can check out their website as well, fourthtrimesterpodcast.com. Um, Esther Gallagher and your co-host, Sarah Trott, um, and that fabulous show. So thank you so much, Esther, for hanging out with me and being a part of what we're doing here and this kind of synchronistic, synergistic energy. I love it. And I'm just very grateful to you. So thank you. Sarah, thank you. I just love you for doing this. This has been so much fun. <laughs> and I really appreciate what your your mission is and so pleased that we can be part of it. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.